listening to the Astral Hour. I'm your host, Astral Meadow. Join me as we take a glimpse into the mysterious. Welcome everyone. Today I'm joined once again by my lovely friend, Angela Nicholson. For this episode, we will be focusing on narcissism. We're going to go into not only defining it, but also the process of healing after being in a toxic relationship with a narcissist. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, anytime. Our uh, audience loved our last episode. Yay. It was good. It was good. So I definitely wanted to get you back on and focus on this topic, which is such a big thing. And I, I mean, so many people are going through stuff with narcissists, so... Um, I was like, we just have to talk about it. Yeah. We have to talk about it. So It's worth talking about. Yeah, you're just the perfect person for it. So Um, can you share a little background on yourself uh, for our listeners who may have missed our last episode? What inspired you to become a therapist and energy healer? Well, I went to graduate school. Um, I have my undergraduate and my graduate degree in social work. And I went to graduate school to be a community social worker. I wanted to be able to organize communities and help people change things like policy and, you know, just the way things are on this very, like, macro level. And I went out after graduation and I worked in politics and I organized unions. And um, I had this sort of existential crisis where I realized that that um, system was really no different than other macro systems and not that they don't do good they do you know but um the way in which it was happening didn't work for me and I went into this deep depression for like six months and what am I gonna do I've got all this student debt I have you know this is my dream and ultimately I decided I wanted to work with human beings um individually Because if I couldn't um, make change happen on a macro level, I definitely could on an individual level. And as I just kept doing that and kept seeing changes happen on that individual level, I began to see the impact. Oh, this is actually, yeah, okay. So this this is, you know, um, I am working on helping people change and impacting my community through working with individuals and and so I just kept doing it and I love it yeah it's like the butterfly effect it's just these these small changes can alter the whole absolutely outcome of like civilization right you just heal like a couple people here and there and then they go out and make changes and then those people make it's a ripple effect yes so yeah I definitely think starting at like the individual is really important yeah and it takes that person into account and then they go out into the world and like affect the whole right so like the individual matters it really does and being able to meet people where they are really matters and you know I didn't see any of that stuff when I was in graduate school but now I do and you know and shortly I I've been doing now therapy for almost 21 years and um about 10 or 11 years in, I started doing EMDR, uh, an EMDR therapy, which is a traditional method that uh, works with trauma in your brain, works through your your um, neuropsychology in your brain, 
um, that's what led me to my spiritual awakening, Mm -hmm. incidentally. And so um, that's how I became an energy healer was through therapy. Just kind of nuts. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, What are, or what exactly is a narcissist and what are some red flags that gives them away? Well, I think it's an, an incredibly difficult thing to describe what a narcissist actually is. Um, we all carry some narcissistic traits, no matter who you are. Um, there are things that I have said and done in my history that could absolutely fit under that category and I'm sure for you too and everybody's like that Mm -hmm. which is one of the things that makes it so hard for people to understand because it's so everywhere but it's about the concentration of red flags it's about and and also it's about the willingness and ability to see those red flags for what they are and then actually do something different. Mm-hmm. The big marker between someone who's a narcissist and someone who isn't is the willingness to do something differently and then doing it. Right. Not just saying they're willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Narcissists say that all the time. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I get it. I'm willing to change and then nothing changes. You know? Right. So that's one of the biggest markers. Um, another big marker is... Um, a lack of empathy, and that's something that people, you know, talk about. You read about that a lot. Um, that's another one that's sort of tough to see because lots of narcissists have very programmed um, responses to things that are or seem empathic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I implore people to sort of dig down deep, ask two or three more questions about the thing, and see if the empathy is still there. Right. Yeah, because they have like a whole script, Yeah, you know, and the people I've dealt with, uh, their persona actually does seem very likable mm-hmm. and they're like really nice outwardly, mm-hmm. but it's like in those moments when they're not being watched, right? Uh, the script falls and then the actual personality comes out. And so you actually see an aspect that maybe most people don't and they, that's where I feel like some of the gaslighting even comes from other people, not just the narcissist, where it's mm-hmm. like, like you're starting to say, well, this person's making me feel this way, but no one believes you because outwardly they're really friendly, you know? Right. So you're like, no. or they seem some way like, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that is a marker of a narcissist is their um, over sort of saturation of um, time spent in what other people think. And mm-hmm. to some degree, we all fall into that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say something that would make you think that I was a terrible person. Right. Um, but I also have integrity within me that says, I don't want to do that no matter what. It's not just for astral. Right. Um, and there's just a lot of time and energy constructing this external persona um, so that things are seen uh, and understood in a specific way. And any uh, sort of moving away from that will cause great distress within a narcissist. And that's often when you see um, intense anger or violence in some kind of way or controlling behaviors um, come out is when they have a sense that um there's a crack in their veneer right and you can see it and they're like Mm -hmm. yeah it's so obvious like we've been dealing with somebody recently and it came out that they're definitely on this spectrum of 
like no empathy and and like watching this person the facade fall is just insane Mm -hmm. I mean it's like they're losing Mm -hmm. their mind and Mm -hmm. it's because like they don't have the control anymore and now it's like people that aren't even involved are like noticing and they're like this person's losing it you know and it's because that when they don't have that control or when you get a glimpse into them they're like so defensive and it's like that's when it's so telling right is because well obviously they've been hiding a lot over these years and then when it comes out they're like oh they're gonna notice that I've been doing this in many ways Mm -hmm. and it's not just like that one thing you know it's like all the stuff gets unpiled at once and Mm -hmm. it's a interesting thing to watch um and the deconstruction yeah yeah Right. I feel like I'm watching like Netflix or something. I'm like, whoo, this is crazy. Well, you know, when you take somebody who spent their whole life making sure that this is what you see and understand about them. Right. And it begins to chip away. Mm-hmm. What else do they have? Exactly. There's nothing under there that's been that's been built up in the way that, you know, um, that characteristics are typically built up. It's just there. It's like it's empty under there I, I've spent so much time trying to figure out like the fundamental uh, markers of a narcissist and like how does it even happen mm-hmm. and I think it's pretty commonly known that it often happens or it happens because of intense or um, long-term trauma mm-hmm. now I've had long-term trauma and intense trauma, and right. you have too, I'm sure. And um, but we're not narcissists, and so what's the difference? That's what everybody wants to know. Like, well, what keeps me from being a narcissist, but that person is, and I don't know the answer to that. I, all I know is that when I see a narcissist in my office, there's a certain point you can push them, and then after that, when you begin to see that little crack. Mm-hmm the rage comes out and there is an absolute inability or unwillingness to look at or see flaw. Right. And I truly believe that when the deconstruction begins to happen, that they go through, like I've never seen it actually fully take place. And I sort of have wondered if, um, like what happens? Do they actually go insane like do they actually lose their mind Mm -hmm. if that ever happens I and I don't know the answer because typically they go away somehow so like if Mm -hmm. it's happening in your family let's say um and the uncovering or the deconstruction begins to happen oftentimes they go somewhere else and never come back right you know they create so so they can create a whole new thing this is interesting to think about um, an older narcissist versus a younger because after 30 we're kind of in this different phase like we're not really creating a new persona at that point where mm-hmm. when we're younger we kind of play with different ideas of who we are mm-hmm. and we're more, more open and so like I had an ex who was definitely had narcissistic tendencies uh, intensely <laughs> and when we split up and you know because I kind of cracked that veil he just created a new identity mm-hmm. he was young enough where he went and he dressed different. Mm-hmm. He started reading different books. He listens to different music. He <laughs> mm-hmm. he started acting like a totally different person. And this person, I actually really like this persona a lot better. <laughs> but uh, the other person we've been dealing with, you know, she's like 60 mm. and it's happening. And I feel like she can't just change 
at this point. You know, it's so hard at 60 to develop a whole new personality. And it's just like a totally new thing that I hadn't seen yet. Because I've only, I'm a little bit younger, you know, I'm just now getting in my 30s. So I've still seen a lot of people developing their mm-hmm. personalities. Not, you know, confronting their shadow at 60 is it's really hard to watch. I mean, it's just, and it is, I mean, I feel in some ways I do feel bad for someone who's like never faced any yeah. of the bad things that they've ever done. And it's like sad. one day they have to look at all of it. Yeah. And like, then not only are they having to look at it, but now they like, everyone sees it. And it's like this huge public shame thing. And, and so I get that that's crazy too. And that hurts them, mm-hmm. you know, and like they have to be responsible now suddenly for all these bad things and it's but will they right will they can they so that's the difference is like do they actually feel bad about it i think that what they feel bad about is the exposure that they got discovered yeah (sighs) and you know i don't know (laughs) right like i don't i don't know what the right answer is but based on what i've seen and i started really honing in on narcissism about nine years ago uh, 10 years ago now, and started studying it in earnest at that time. Mm-hmm. And just based on what I've seen, I have, I just have, I haven't personally ever seen a narcissist be able to flip into looking at the things they did wrong when they were right. presented with, like, when you lay it all out on the table and say, well, these are all of the things and you're getting busted right now. They they it's still not it's not it's like cognitive dissonance or something like when this happened with this older lady like when she was discovered it's like she pretends like she doesn't remember any of these things well any anything (laughs) she's like i didn't sign that document you're like your name's on it like (laughs) you know but your signature it's just like totally like they're like dissociated when you call them out and they're like not listening well that's all that's left right right at that point when you say here's your signature what else is she going to say but yeah, just pretend Except like... for, what are you talking about? That's not, that has to be someone who forged my signature, <laughs> right? Right. Even though you're like, what are you talking about? No, it isn't. Right. The gaslighting is <laughs> harsh. Yeah. You know, that's the whole thing. So, um, well, and when you're not aware that that's what gaslighting looks like, right? you're, you be, I mean, it's, see, look how easy it is to say, well, she's saying that she didn't sign it. I mean... I guess, is it possible that she didn't sign? I mean, no. Right. Like, does she have dementia? Like, <laughs> right. you know? Right. Like, is this, you But know? you're, as, a, as like a normal human being who maybe isn't a narcissist, you're trying to find some kind of answer that makes sense. And that's yeah. why um, gaslighting is so damaging because it makes you question your sanity. It makes exactly. you question uh, what, like, I know I see her signature, right here mm-hmm. it's not a stamp someone actually <laughs> signed it and she yet she's telling me like she's crying about it she's she's really like playing this up she did not sign this and <laughs> and i'm standing here going what do i do right you know? right it makes you question your own mental health right you know right like dealing with these people i mean i'm like am i crazy no you know like i had this past experience come up which I know was because this episode and I know that this had to be opened up so that I could talk about it from a fresh wound (laughs) Uh, but there was this guy in my life and he was just so like just poked at me and like would say like these 
really hurtful things and but then like keep me close I'd be like oh we're friends you know and like so I was like always really confused about our friendship because he would just make he would say some things that made me feel like he actually liked me but then like he would be like really mean to me Mm -hmm. and like insult my like thoughts and Mm -hmm. my the things that I'm passionate about and like and then but I actually thought we were friends well when this wound came up I just like broke down like when I found out he was going to be somewhere that I was going to go that I was really excited about and I just I just cried and I just Mm -hmm. was like I like losing it, you know, and I'm like, why am I reacting this way? <laughs> you know, because I hadn't even thought about him in years. It's fine. You know, I I don't really care what he does or whatever. But for some reason, like him being there at this moment that I was very excited about, that was going to be very happy, just spiraled me down. And I'm like, I can't have a good time around him. Like, I can't go if he's there. But I started asking myself, like, what's going on? Because I do that. Like, I I might have an episode, and then I reflect on it. I'm like, what really is going on? Mm -hmm. And when I started thinking about it, like, I had already wrote the questions off of this episode and everything. And I'm like, I think that he is a narcissist. And when he comes in my mind, I, like, kind of shut down a little bit. It's almost like like post-traumatic stress Mm -hmm. disorder because – I had a caregiver that raised me that was a narcissist. And so anytime I'm like around one, I do, I get these weird triggers that I'm not expecting. It's like, it's like with the, the Vietnam veteran and the fireworks going off and he knows that that fireworks, not a bomb. And like, like he knows that, but it's like bringing up all these weird mm-hmm. memories. And so like his name even was like bringing up all this stuff. And I was like, I feel so triggered, but I thought I was past this, you know? But it's because I never actually fully processed that the way I was feeling was because of how he was treating me was wrong. Yeah. You know, and uh, it, it, I don't think it's just me. I think other people, he does this to everybody, you know. And my friend that was, like, talking to me about it, she's like, yeah, he just does that, you know. And it's like everyone else accepts it about him where I was just like, I can't do this with this person mm-hmm. anymore. Um, because I had put a boundary down with him. And I said – this is the boundary. Please don't cross it. And he crossed it immediately. Right. And I was just, but everyone else is like, yeah, you got to make boundaries. I have to re, I have to reset my boundaries with him all the time. I'm like, that's not a boundary. If right. you ha- if you that's like, right. oh, he crossed the boundary. I'm going to make a he new one. He doesn't care about that. Exactly. And that's really the biggest, I'm glad you brought it up. That's the biggest marker of a narcissist is their, how they will ignore boundaries. Yes. And so what ends up happening if you have good boundaries mm-hmm. is that you will spend so much time setting them that you will start to grow resentful. It's bitter. Yes. Yeah. I had bitterness about this yeah. person. <laughs> well, because it takes an awful lot of work to have to reiterate over and over again what your normal reasonable boundary is yes and to and then to feel someone pushing up against it or crossing it blatantly uh-huh. um you know the natural response to a, a boundary crossed is anger that's why anger exists mm-hmm. and so when when you get angry about that that's like one of those big cues why do i feel angry oh who crossed a boundary what just happened like exactly. that's that's one of the things you can do to sort of help look around and see, uh-huh. you know, and not anger. I mean, this like careful because, you know, not anger about somebody doing something that sucked or mm-hmm. whatever, but a personal boundary. Like when I'm with so-and-so, why do I always get mad at him? Right. Well, okay. Figure it out. Figure it mm-hmm. out. Is it a boundary? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Cause I definitely did feel like anger towards this person. Yeah. And this isn't like a casual boundary. I actually wrote it out exactly. Like I don't like 
when you do this and I want to save our friendship and I would really appreciate it if you just like came directly with like when you had these thoughts come to me directly mm-hmm. so that we can save our friendship because mm-hmm. it's it's bothering me so much I can't do it anymore and he crossed the boundary and then I was like I got upset and I was like I can't believe you just did it <laughs> and then he told everyone that I was crazy and he was right. like oh she's postpartum she's insane and I'm like no I I asked you in a very kind way and I was very specific about it. And it was like, you didn't even make it 30 seconds yeah. <laughs> before you crossed it. And so, you know, it made me feel crazy. And then yeah. everyone thinks I'm crazy because they're like, yeah, maybe she is postpartum. You know, like he went out and like made everyone think that I just lost my mind on him. And I'm like, it wasn't about that one moment. It was all these other moments too. And that was the moment I was trying to just really be honest with him. And he didn't care. Right. You know, and even with the postpartum, I mean, two weeks after having a kid, you know, you are emotional, you haven't slept. And like his response, like when my husband was like, yeah, she, you know, she is a little emotional right now is I don't give a fuck about her emotions. You know, like I don't care that she just had a child and that she's having a hard time. I'm going to pick at her and make her upset. And I don't have any empathy at all towards her, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was like, it hurt me. And like, in those vulnerable stages, I feel like it sticks with me more because I'm like, that was a really vulnerable point. Like postpartum, like you're really not in a great place. And for someone to be cruel to you is like almost like feels evil. Well, that's one of the <laughs> markers is, right. oh, you're already vulnerable. Right. Right. And another marker is um, based off what you said is con- going out immediately and controlling mm-hmm. what the messaging is. For other people. For so other he people. had already called people. Right. right after it happened. So, and so by the time important. I told my story, they already knew that, right. oh, he said something and I overreacted. Right. So and notice <laughs> how quickly that happened yes. and notice how much of an important piece of the story that is. Uh-huh. Because again, anything in that veneer that cracks, if you were to get to anybody before him, mm-hmm. they would believe you. Right. right? <laughs> so he had to do it first. Right. And it, yeah, it, it's messed with me. So I, I've had to like process it again. now that I know I can look at it differently and forgive myself for how I reacted and say well I was pushed to that point That's right. I'm a very kind person mm-hmm. I wasn't being mean to him you know I didn't end this friendship mm-hmm. you know like everyone thinks so it's just something that I thought was interesting that this came up because I'd never actually th- gave it a name of I think he's a narcissist and that actually helped me feel better yeah once I put two and two together you're not going crazy right and I think sometimes like I've seen this I see like a meme floating around and it's basically like, oh, like when everyone's a narcissist and, you know, maybe it's you or like, like that it's just like a buzzword or whatever. And I'm like, well, it's a buzzword because it's really common. It's a buzzword because it's really common. And as we continue to raise our vibration collectively, more awareness is coming to it. I mean, 10 years ago, when I first started doing all this work on it, you could barely find anything. You could barely find anything. There was like five books, you know, and maybe 10 or 12 journal articles that were peer reviewed. And that was it. And then all of a sudden, you started seeing people talking about it more. You started seeing books. And I think it's 100% points toward um, our collective understanding that emotions are important where I, you know, we're moving into the fourth dimension as a, you know, as a collective, um, where we can see polarity better, where you can see what's happening better. And so more awareness is coming. Right. And I had someone comment 
on one of my things or she said something and because she was like, oh, narcissism is a buzzword and, and you know, Yay. but I'm like, okay, so maybe it is. But like, if someone says, I think I'm dealing with a narcissist and you immediately go to, oh, do you label everyone as a narcissist? Like, like you're not like that person's the victim. Right. And you're like, oh, are you? And it's like, they're gaslighting you. Right. And they didn't even hear the story. They just, okay, you said, oh, I think this person's a narcissist. And in their mind, they've heard this thing over and over again of, like, this is a buzzword. Everyone, like, there's people that just call everyone that they don't Mm -hmm. like a narcissist. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, did you ask the person about their story? Because it it kind of takes a lot of work to unpack, uh, is this person a narcissist? It takes a lot of work. (laughs) Like, it takes a lot of thought before you even get to the conclusion of that. Like, this guy, I'd known him for 15 years before I was like, I think he's a narcissist. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I don't like him. Right. He's a narcissist. Or he hurt my feelings. So. And some people might do that, but I don't think that that's the most common thing. I think if someone comes out and they're very vulnerable and they're like, you know, I'm I'm dealing with trauma because I just learned that I was in a narcissistic relationship and, and maybe I'm not crazy. And you gaslight them and you say that that's probably not true because it's just a buzzword. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I actually like kind of like call this person out a little bit like we don't want to shame the victims or say you can't share your story because we don't like to hear the word narcissism you know there's lots of like spiritual buzzwords out there and I can see why oh someone might roll their eyes but there's usually like reasons well it's just like everything it's like um maybe it's true that every woman who says she was raped wasn't raped maybe that is true but I really don't care. Like I still am going to listen. Exactly. And I'm still going to follow up on that. And it doesn't matter to me if some aren't telling the truth. Because right. the truth is, as hum- as a, a global humanity, there are a certain number of people who aren't going to tell the truth about things. And that's true for anything. Right. Anything. So sure, I'm sure there are people mm-hmm. who are labeling everyone in their lives narcissists and they don't have enough information and maybe they don't care to get more. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if, but if somebody comes forth and says, I, I kind of think maybe I'm dealing with a narcissist here, you're absolutely right. You know, people, if they're getting to that point, <laughs> right. they've done some research and they've suffered. And yes, and I they just, need help. They and they're talking help. to you because, like, they've just now started unpacking, like, the reality of it. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work. And you really kind of need support. You do need support. You know, because yeah. you start questioning so much, especially if this person has been in your life since childhood or something, like a sister or a mm-hmm. mother. Or, because you realize that a lot of your personality yes. was formed. Correct. Under their watch. And so when you were being vulnerable, they were poking at you and they were planting seeds that you didn't even realize weren't your own thoughts. That's right. So as you start unpacking it, you're like, oh, and like you do need support. You do. You know, and maybe you don't go to therapy and you're just talking to your friend. Well, they need to be there and like hear your story before they say, oh, that's a buzzword. You're probably overreacting. You know, so I just don't love that. I feel like we need to hear people and... You know, if they're crying and upset and all that, I mean, there's probably a reason. It's it's probably, you know, they're just being vulnerable because they trust you, mm-hmm. you know. And so you just need to listen and maybe don't say anything. <laughs> well, and like, you bring up a really valuable point, especially if you were raised by someone who has narcissistic tendencies um, or is a narcissist. They formed the way you think. Mm-hmm. They, they formed and constructed the way you feel about yourself. And in my opinion, it's as serious, if not 
well, no, it's as serious as religious trauma because it impacts the literal way you look at the world, the way you view yourself, the way the, the lenses with which you see every single thing. And you have to deconstruct that in your own mind. And it takes a lot of work. And, um, it's just, it's not, it's not something to just sort of like hope for the best or brush off or, you know, make fun of somebody or whatever, because it's just like religious trauma. It impacts every single area of your life. And it takes a lot of work to find yourself in a better place after it just takes a long time. Yeah. And that support is so important and just, Mm -hmm. it's so important that the other people aren't gaslighting you during the process. That's the big thing. And I think that that's something that just really bothered me over and over again when I would try to process it and someone was like, well, you know, maybe it wasn't really like that or whatever. I'm just like, you, you know, though, (laughs) Astral, the thing is, is unless you've lived it, right, you don't understand it. And that is maybe not the right thing to say, you know, Mm -hmm. that might turn people off, but it's, it's. (laughs) unless you've lived it, you don't have the, when somebody says to me, um, I think I'm dealing with a narcissist. My body responds to that Mm -hmm. because I've dealt with narcissists. I've been in love with narcissists Mm -hmm. before and I've had my whole life wrecked and, um, I know what it feels like. But when I was seeking help all those years ago and I said something to a provider, she said, Oh, he loves you. What are you talking about? You know, oh, no, 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 no. He loves you. And she was really just trying, she was trying her best to help me. Right. She saw me in distress. She didn't want me to be in distress. I was looking for somebody to say, you're not crazy. Right. That you're valid in your feelings. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and I couldn't find anybody. Yeah. I couldn't find anybody back then. I could find no therapist who knew anything about it. Uh, it was immensely frustrating, and that is actually how I found um, a lot of metaphysical practices that I didn't even understand were metaphysical back then, um, right. because I was looking for something that was really far different than what I already understood, and because I couldn't find a single therapist right. um, who understood it. And, I, and most of my caseload at this point, and it has been this way for years, are people who are recovering from narcissistic abuse. It is by far... Uh, where I get the most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still tell me the same. You know, I've been to four therapists and all of them told me that, you know, this person wasn't a narcissist. You're the first person who's validated that, right. you know. And, and that's when the healing really happens is because they're yeah. being heard for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then they can actually move on. Right. And so it's so free. I'm like, just listen to them. You yeah. don't even, you don't even necessarily have to say anything. Just be like, that's not great energy. You know, that sounds really rough. I'm so sorry that you're dealing with that. You know, usually the first two sessions that I have with people is a series of them going. So when this happened, (laughs) is that another? And I'm like, yes, it was. And and they cry. Yeah. And then they give me an, okay, well, there was this other time when my kid was involved. Is this an Yes, it's an mm-hmm. example. And then I do energy work and help treat their nervous system. Right. You know, those are the two things. The first couple sessions that I really try to focus on is validating and helping them put into place, you know, the puzzle pieces mm-hmm. and then help treat their, their nervous system because they're shot. Yes. You know? yeah. Right. I didn't even realize um, that, like, I just thought, like, anxiety was a part of my personality. Aww. Like, I actually thought that, oh, I'm just a really anxious, shy yeah 
I had all these words that I used to describe myself that my family had always used to describe me. And I realized like I have anxiety and my nervous system is shot because people have been, you know, like Mm -hmm. doing this to me for so long. Like since I was born, like the day I was born, it already started. Like, (laughs) so I'm like, as I started healing and doing like energy work and stuff and getting that my nervous system more regulated, I realized that in my true nature, I'm actually not some spazzy, anxious person that I actually can relax. And, you know, when I get those people out of my life, you know, I can relax. But when they're there, I can't. It triggers my nervous system. And so, like, I don't want to be triggered, but I almost, like, can't separate it. Like, Like, when I'm around somebody or a friend calls me, and they start talking, and I realize that this person they're talking about is a narcissist. Mm-hmm. I start my nervous yeah. system gets triggered. I start getting anxious. Yeah. I have to do breathing techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend found out that they're like the person that, that like the her husband's ex was a narcissist, and like they were unpacking it, and I was so upset. I had to be like, I can't talk about it right now because it it had triggered me so yeah. bad. And like when I saw that they were suffering. Yeah. In that way, I mean, I had to take time to meditate and clear that energy off of me. And it wasn't even my story. Yeah. You know, so I was just like, I'm so sorry. I, I, you know, I can't deal with this right now. I'm not a therapist. <laughs> and uh, it triggers me yeah. still. So it's like I do all that healing. But I can almost tell, oh, is someone really a narcissist by how my body actually shifts when they're in the room? You know, one <laughs> of my um, early, early in my clinical days, I had a supervisor who she was incredible. And she said, I had a borderline client who, so borderline, in my opinion, and this is not, this is not necessarily in line with all of my cohorts uh, Mm -hmm. in the therapy world. My opinion is that borderline personality is a type of narcissism. Mm -hmm. And I had a client who was borderline that I was working with her. She was helping me sort of understand because I was very young, like I said. And she said, Angeline, close your eyes, feel in your body what it feels like to talk to this person. Now, never forget that. Yeah. Because that will be the best indicator you have for the rest of your career mm. on what it's going to feel like when you're in the room with a, with a person who has a narcissistic right. personality disorder. And she's right. Yes. At the time, I thought, whatever lady (laughs) right right because you hadn't fully like experienced it yet nor had I really knew how to be in my body either because I was so young but um I have thought about that one million times over the years and how I'm so glad she said that to me when I was 20 whatever because even though I didn't get it in that moment I remind myself because even though and I'm considered, you know, like an expert in this, right? Like mm-hmm. this is something I've been doing for 10 years. This is something I've lived in my own life. This is something I've treated people over and over and over and over and over about. And um, I still will go, hang on, am I the one that's, hang on, am I, okay, no, no, I don't check those, bo- no, I don't check right. that, bo- no, okay, okay, recalibrate. Are, what boxes are they checking? Okay, just making sure. Right. I feel like the fact they're even asking those questions, though, is, like, different. Like, someone that has narcissism isn't even, like, am, is, am I a narcissist? Like, they're not even asking the questions of, like, am I hurting people? Am I, you know, am I checking? Like, they just completely avoid that. Well, many times, like, if you look a narcissist in the face and you say, you're hurting me, mm-hmm. they can cry, mm-hmm. right? They can maybe even feel bad that they're hurting you, but they don't feel bad enough to do anything different. Right. 
And ultimately, if you're smiling and not crying, then it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's one of the markers of a narcissist too. It's like, unless you're in constant turmoil, they're not going to see the, ter- it's like the turmoil doesn't exist. Right. So if you're smiling, then you're fine. Right. You got over it. Right. If you're angry still after two days or a day, which many of us were because mm-hmm. they did egregious things to us, um, there was a lot of language around, um, do you, I think you have an anger problem. Right. Like, why are you still so angry? Why can't you get over things? Should I call your doctor? Uh-huh. Like those kinds of Right. You things. need to go to a psych ward. Right. And so you start to think, well, maybe there's something wrong with me that I'm... Right, that I'm still I'm angry, crazy. but yeah. go back to the board, to the, to the, um, boundary thing. When mm-hmm. a boundary is crossed, anger happens anyway. Right. Yeah. I just want to keep like reiterating those kinds of things so that it, if anybody listening to this is experiencing it, that they can keep doing the checks, you know, keep right. doing the checks because it's an important thing if you're experiencing it or living with it, that you do the checks so that you can save yourself. Right. You know? Right. Um, So that kind of leads into my next question is, um, it's not always easy to cut ties with people, especially if it's family or workplace related. Um, what's your advice for existing around a narcissist and staying sane? Are there ways to shield or protect ourselves from their influence? That's such a big question. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like like all of my therapy sessions in one question, like, because that was a big thing like that yeah. I unpacked is like... What could I have done to exist around them still? Well, the healthiest answer is that you can't and Mm. you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that for many people, if they're living in a home with someone who, you know, that they can't leave their home and someone who's living there also, you know, is a narcissist, um, there's certain things you have to do to keep yourself safe. Um, And it's the same if you're working with people. Um, I have a client right now who, um, she just changed the shift that she was working on so that she, cause she was, you know, if you're in their line of focus, if you're in their line of vision, you're going to get burned Mm -hmm. no matter what. And like, you can try your hardest to not be in that, (laughs) but like, (laughs) right. But if they're, if they've got their eye on you, you're, you know, you're kind of screwed and she ended up switching shifts and has experienced a lot more relief from that. But, um, you know, what she's experiencing now a few weeks later is, well, the narcissist on the other shift, her old shift, is talking to the her, you know, other people on the shift she's on now. And so it still, you know, and so it goes. Of course, if you're not familiar with the term narcissistic supply, mm-hmm. supply is what they, it's, it's like, imagine an energy vacuum. Um, supply is the, is what ends up in the vacuum bag, right? So anything they can get from any situation and it, and so to that end, it doesn't really matter what shift you're on. If they can get any kind of energy from anybody Uh about it, they're going to do it. Um, so my first thing is get out if you can go somewhere else, get a different job if you can. That's certainly not a reasonable thing for many of us, but if you can do, um, and then in terms of safety, um, you know, what I did years ago was called gray rocking. Mm-hmm. And it's basically where you try to make yourself as interesting as a gray rock. Right. You know? You're just really boring. Yeah. <laughs> so like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, not much. <laughs> you know, cool. What's for lunch? Oh, I don't know yet. Right. You know, and, and it's just. Just don't feed that supply. Right. Balls. You don't. 
Right. You don't offer anything. It's Now, if you're in a romantic relationship with a person and you're doing that, that can cause them anger. They can get angry with you about mm-hmm. that. And so sometimes that isn't safe. But right, you're being aloof. Right. Why are you being like that? And then there's escalation around why you're being like that. Right. Um, but if you can and you can do it safely, like if you're a teenager and it's a parent or something, mm-hmm. um, I would suggest that you just do the very best you can to remain as neutral as you can always. Right. Um, and that's usually the easiest way. Now, there are other spiritual techniques. I make a blend, actually, that helps with that. It's called psychic protection. Yes. Sort of keep yourself in this. It's almost like a veil around you of um, basically you're putting yourself in a different vibration. Right. And that's really, at the end of the day, the answer. Mm-hmm. Put yourself in a different vibration. So oftentimes that can look like getting a different job. Right. Moving really out of the house. The... Right. Or it can look like... Um, you know, there's a million different ways you can alter your vibration, but that's ultimately the answer. Right. Um, and it's almost like they can't reach you because they're not at correct. that frequency anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. I like that. So I love the psychic protection spray. I've used it. It's so good. Many times. <laughs> I, I was actually like overusing it and the records were like, sometimes you need to be seen. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, great rock's great. And like psychic protection is great, but sometimes like don't spray it. If you like really need to make connections, because no, it will, like putting a shield up, it so does it really does up. work. Yeah, uh, I call it way. the invisible invisibility cloak too. It like, is. like if you if you do need to be invisible, if you are going to mm-hmm. one of those work meetings and your boss is a narcissist and you do not want to be called out. called out, then you put eight sprays on, yeah. right? And 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 if you just want to be seen by Linda, the lady sitting beside you, you just use two sprays. Exactly. <laughs> it really yeah. is good. I don't even understand the full you know, science behind it. I don't and I don't need to because I've used your blends. Like I've used I've probably had like seven different things at this point and they're magical. They are like, magical. I don't know how to explain it to someone besides <laughs> you just have to experience yeah. it. Well, thank you for saying that. Because <laughs> they are. They are magical. Yeah. 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 And I don't even fully understand all the ways you can use them yet. But that that one is one that I created for myself so that I could, after my after I left my narcissistic relationship, so that I could be in public and not have panic attacks. Yes. I needed people to leave me alone. I needed to not yes. be seen. I needed to feel safe. And that was the only way I could feel safe. Right. And, and so it was essentially, it's my second product that I made. But, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I love it. I, I keep a bottle stocked. So <laughs> it's something I come back to. So um, do you have any mental tricks or suggestions that may help someone who is feeling stuck in the ruminating phase of their experience with a narcissist where they just can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) Well, um, typically if you're in that place, then what's happening is you might've processed through some things, but in my opinion, um, those things are still hanging out in your auric field. Mm -hmm. And so one of the best things you can do is to get an, a clearing from somebody, Mm. right? Um, you can do that in other ways. You can, um, like a lot of water based things can help move things out. Um, when you process things and they leave your energetic body and your physical body, they sometimes often will stay out in your auric field and, you know, the date you had that didn't go well or that you thought went okay, but it didn't. And you think about them for, you know, a few weeks after, it's because you might be over it, but it's still in your auric field. Mm-hmm. And once it leaves your auric field, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, right. And, and it will feel like 
something that is in the past. And so when you have a situation where there's abuse or something like that, because there's so much cognitive dissonance within us, because it doesn't make sense, abuse doesn't make sense to us as humans, we cannot make it work. Like, mm-hmm. how can you be like that to, towards somebody? Right. Um, it's often very difficult to process through. And so it will often stay in your auric field for quite some time. Um I recommend seeing people who can help you clear your auric field and um, like lots and lots of grounding, lots and lots of, um, you know, like earth based or um, I even metal based like walks in the city walks in the country, lots of like being in grass and trees, lots of water based stuff could be helpful. Um, and I really think that one of the best tools is understanding the uh, cycle of abuse. And so I'm going to go over it really quickly because I think it's super, super important when you have a narcissist in your life, because this can provide you a little bit of space between what they're doing um, and you, if you understand this cycle. And the cycle looks the same always. You start with a love bombing happy phase. So at the beginning of a relationship with a narcissist, it's incredible. It is like no high that you will ever, ever, ever find again, which takes some relearning when you're actually looking for a real relationship (laughs) because you're looking for that high again often. And it's not, it's not real. So it's, it's difficult sometimes for people. That's why people end up in relationships over and over again with narcissists. They're looking for that like love bombing place. Uh. Um, but it's very, it's lots of endorphins, you know, you get a lot of validation, you're just being who you are, and they love you. Right, they celebrate all the things. All the things, but what you don't realize is that it's very, um, they're doing it for one reason, and that is to capture right. what they want, and that is you in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, they want whatever you have, they see that you have things that they can really benefit from, and so they mirror and do whatever it is that they need to do to make sure they can keep it. So... It's the most important part of the abuse cycle. If it wasn't there, nobody would stick around. Mm -hmm. And that's important to remember. The next phase is devaluing. And that is where they start to pick, like you were talking about earlier, where they start to just sort of say things that, you know, devalue who you are or what you just said or the way you looked the other day Mm -hmm. or or that thing that you did. Um, You know, they'll just make comments like, you know, you didn't do that the right way or... It would have looked better if you'd have worn this outfit or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, And those things are designed to chip away your self-esteem so that you believe them, so that you doubt yourself, so that you don't have the confidence that you once did. Then you move into the discard phase. And the discard phase is usually where there's an eruption or a fight or um, something is said like, why don't you just kill yourself? Or... um, you know, well, I'm not going to have a bunch of expletives, but usually there's a bunch of expletives or name calling or, um, you break up, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. And, or they kick you out of the house or whatever. And then it's followed by a break. It's followed by the cold shoulder where they don't talk to you for a week or a few days. Yeah. You come, you get to the point, if you're in a relationship like this, you get to the point where you really value that time because it's the time that you get to reset and like Mm -hmm. 
oftentimes people go through, I'm never going to do this again. I've got to get out. Like that's the stage where you're like, I've got to get out. I've got to figure this out. And maybe you find a shelter, you find a therapist or you find Mm -hmm. something, but guess what's next? The love bombing again. Yeah. And oh, so the next cycle. thing that happens is that they come back and they're like, you were right. I yeah. was wrong. I don't know why I ever doubted you. You're beautiful and smart. And you, I don't know why I ever, ever even argue with you about things like this. It's so mm-hmm. crazy. You're right and I'm wrong. And I'm just so sorry. And when you please just come back and live here, would you please just be with me still? And they're, they seem so sorry right. that you are willing to do it often. And that's how people get trapped. Right. Because you're like, oh, they evaluated. They they feel. <laughs> I didn't realize the dying thing. Like, why don't you just go die? Mm-hmm. That just almost, like, that just brought back this horrible memory of, like, this guy I was dating. I was having, a, like, a legit terrible going through a really bad thing. And he handed me a gun. And he was like, why don't you just kill yourself? And... Apparently it wasn't loaded and I didn't know that or anything, but it really messed with my Gosh, head. I'm so sorry. But yeah. like when I, you know, like we ended up breaking it off and all that and I brought it up. He's like, well, it wasn't loaded. I was just, you know, in a bad, I'm like, but like it, it really does like stand out to me in that way. I didn't even think about that actually as a part of the process of like, why don't you just go die? Uh, wow. That's right. That's next level. And then, yeah, the love bomb. Yeah. The, Cause you're like, oh, well, we've been broke up for a few months Right. And he must really miss me, you know, and he's, he really loves me. To right. And he it. genuinely, he's crying. Right. He means it. He <sighs> said all the things that I really, on my checklist, I wanted him to understand and realize before I left. So if he's saying all those things right. and he's saying he wants to do better and do, do different, then yeah. like I should give him a chance. Right. Because I feel like you, like the, the victim here really is in love with this person. You know, like that was me and the relationship is I really loved this person. I had lots of memories and ties Mm -hmm. and then the love bombing. We did like fun things together sometimes. And so I would focus on some of that stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, well, we all make mistakes, you know, (laughs) but that's the kind of person I am, you know, and I have to be careful. And, and so like one of the questions I was going to ask is like, are there certain people that attract narcissists? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it comes from like the empathy and they know that you'll feel sorry for them and that they can keep manipulating you. Like, so even if you, even if they reveal themselves, you'll forgive them because right. you're an empath and you're like, I don't want you to hurt. I'll just, I'll forgive you. We'll move on, you know? Right. When you can feel through, um, you know, emotion into, especially if you're an empath, you can feel that they're hurting. I mean, you can feel that. Right. And, it, they are hurting, but not for the reasons we think. Right. They're not hurting because they feel bad for hurting us. Mm-hmm. They're hurting because they hate themselves so much. Right. And they're so committed to this persona. They're so committed to looking a specific way and it being a specific way that they hurt to even imagine that breaking, to imagine right. that they're seen as what they truly are. Uh, and so ultimately... The people who are drawn are empaths, yes, but over are the overarching reason, people who don't have very good boundaries. Mm. And lots of us, most of us, I would even say all of us in this culture are raised to not have boundaries. Like the, the messages that we get from literally our school, our churches, mm-hmm. our families, you have to share even if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. You have to be nice Turn even if you cheek. don't want to. Right. <laughs> Turn the other cheek. If somebody's being mean, 
well, they're probably just jealous. Just forget it. Just move on. You know, we're not taught how to protect ourselves. We're not taught that it's okay to say, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, people. If you, were to, if you were in a group of people and somebody was a narcissist and picking at you and you said, stop doing that, my guess is that lots of people would go, what's wrong with her? Right. Right? Like, that's I our know. culture. Oh. Why, are, why is she being like that? Is there something wrong with is her? Is she on her period? Right. <laughs> <laughs> annoying (laughs) it is so annoying and um when you're raised and especially if you're raised by somebody who has narcissistic tendencies then you certainly don't have any boundaries because you're not allowed to right and if you don't have the ability to say I don't want this no thanks ever then why would you ever start right when the, when somebody comes by and they love to do all the things you love to do, they think that you're great and beautiful. You know, you are traveling to places that you've always wanted to travel because they'll do anything to keep you, right? Mm-hmm. They're mirroring everything. So right. they study you. They study you, <laughs> yes. It's creepy. We love the same music. We like right. going to the same shows. We like yeah. the same people. Right. Well, none of that's true. Exactly. That was the thing, like, when the guy I dated, like, when he changed his identity is because, like, when I, I remember when I first met this person, it was like, you know, I'd be like, oh, I love Billy Joel. He's like, I love Billy Joel, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, but, like, all these bands that I thought that we had in common, like, well, when he shifted his identity, he doesn't listen to any of that music anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you you don't really like the Killers, do you? <laughs> you no, know, it messed with me because I thought yeah. that it was, like, this connection. And I'm like, right. no one listens to this band. This is awesome, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, I've always wanted a person to share some of my weird music with. Mm-hmm. So I like, think it's... It's an easy end, you know, I got to be careful. I'm like, so if someone is like doing that to me now, I'm like, do you really, right. do you really like this band? How many do you have? How many albums do you have already? <laughs> right. Are you trying to manipulate me with my love for this band? So, <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so how can EMDR help us get back on our feet after we leave a toxic relationship? Well, EMDR um, is designed to separate sensorial information from events. So, you know, anybody who was raised by a narcissist or uh, was in love with a narcissist or is friends with a narcissist um, has a lot of emotions and body sensations that come up, as we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. when they're with or around or recognize behaviors that are the same, um, that are narcissistic, and usually... Um, it's those body sensations and those emotions that come up that make us so uncomfortable that keep us from processing um, everything fully. So in order to process everything and get it out of your auric system once and for all, to get everything just totally so that you can look at it, I always tell people like this, I want you to be able to say, I was in love with a narcissist. I was married to them for 15 years. He told me every day that I that I deserve to die and I'm okay today. Like there's a certain point where you can say that after EMDR, mm-hmm. usually before <laughs> or until you process however you process. But um, usually when they come to me, they can't say those words without having a panic attack, yeah. without suffering for two or three days, yeah. without being triggered into, you know, next like a week. Episode, right. Like- Right, exactly. And so EMDR gives you the freedom to be able to look at it more objectively. And more importantly, once you've separated the sensorial information from the events and you've processed them, then you can look back in your history and see clearly what was narcissistic, just like what you did. Mm -hmm. And you can look into your future when you meet somebody new and you can see 
that too without without any kind of subjective um you know emotional state that's going to prevent you from being clear right so it's really healing on a quantum level so you're dealing with the past but you're also looking at you're like different when you look into the future because you have this yeah thing now so it's like you get to keep that with you it goes on throughout your life right (laughs) so that's kind of a a cool way to think about it because yeah I do I like now when I meet someone I might still feel things in my body and all that but I'm like it's so obvious right and I'm just like uh that's a boundary thing or this person's trying to manipulate me and it's like I catch it sooner it might they might sneak in a little bit with Mm -hmm. the love bombing but I'm like Oh. Are they love bombing? I'm like, this is love bombing. Like, I literally have like Googled it like to reread mm-hmm. like the things again. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's love bombing. And so mm-hmm. like, I don't actually fall for it mm-hmm. uh, because I start realizing, I'm like, oh, I'm feeling really good. Why am I feeling so good? Right. <laughs> it's because this person is, you know, celebrating me in all these ways, but they don't actually know me. Yeah. You know, I'm like, why does this person like me? I don't know. They don't know me. Yeah. So that seems like love bombing. Like yeah. it's not genuine. Mm-hmm. It's not coming from like a healthy place. And just to be clear, it it separates the sensorial from the event in exactly the way you're talking about so that you understand what the sensorial is. Right. And you can put it in its place rather than because usually when you go into fight or flight or you feel something that's scary in your body, you become afraid. And once you become afraid, then you're sort of launched into all these other things like anxiety and paranoia sometimes. Mm -hmm. And And dissociate. Dissociating was my big thing. Yes. So before we even really did the EMDR, we had to do work on getting me in the body. Yeah. Because that's why I could handle so much uh, emotional abuse for so long is because I mastered the art of dissociating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of where my name comes from, Astral. Like I, <laughs> I spent so much time in my childhood and throughout my life in this other place, right, yeah. that I could create. And I like had power there and it was my world and only people that I wanted to were allowed in. So I spent a lot of time there. So if like I was getting physically abused, it's like I wasn't even really feeling it in my body anymore. Mm-hmm. So that was a big thing is like, so we practiced getting me back in. Then we did the EMDR, which was processing it. But now, like, when I meet someone, I do feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, oh, I felt that before. Mm-hmm. And it's because the EMDR helped me get back in. And not just now, but in my memories, mm-hmm. it puts me back in the body, which was kind of hard in the beginning because mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want to feel all the things. Oh, no. And, yeah, it's not easy. But I am so much better now like yeah I still like daydream but I don't feel like I actually dissociate in trauma anymore like if someone upsets me I'm like looking them in the eyes and I'm like this is it like when I dealt with the narcissist thing and I was like talking to my friend about it I was like I feel like Angeline was like right there with me and I was like really everything I was saying like even when I was crying I was like Angeline would be like cry girl you know (laughs) because like you need to let it out like don't try to pretend like you're not hurting and so I was like actually I feel like I approached it in a very emotionally mature way even though it still hurt me yes I was like no I'm gonna cry about it I'm gonna get a little mad and I'm gonna process it so that I can actually finally move on right so I was like I just felt like you were there with me like (laughs) holding my hand still because we had unpacked so much of this stuff I'm like well what would Angeline tell me to do right now you know I felt like I just channeled you right yeah, into the situation. That's so great. And, yeah. well, and, and, and when you look at what you just said, um, what you did was you had boundaries. You said, I'm going to process this. I'm going to cry anyway. I'm going to yeah. feel this and I'm going to be done with it in a few minutes, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do it. And that was right. you standing up taller in your own feet, 
you know, for who you are and what you deserve. And being okay with myself. Like, yes, I'm vulnerable. Yes, I'm, you know, ugly crying. And that's a beautiful human experience. And I'm sick of trying to pretend like I'm not a human. (laughs) I'm sick of that in our culture. I'm sick of pretending like we don't have feelings and that when you have feelings that you're just automatically irrational. I hate that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, no, it's irrational to dissociate and pretend like you don't have feelings and then like build a big shadow monster that's going to come out in 10 years and you're going to be like, holy shit, this is a lot to unpack now. Yeah. So I'm like annoying about approaching the shadow work because as soon as I have that feeling, I talk about it immediately. And I'm like, um, if I don't talk about that, where's it going to go? You're right. So like, I know people are like, oh God, here we go. (laughs) And I'm like, well, if you don't want to talk about it, maybe be more mindful of the things that you say, you know, because like I, you know, if my feelings are hurt by something you say, I'm going to be like, that hurt my feelings. I'm not dramatic about it, you know, unless they did it like for years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's where the drama comes from. It's like, it's not about the one thing (laughs) that happened just then. It's like, this is a reoccurring pattern and now I feel crazy. Yeah. So, so that I don't get crazy in my, my relationships in my present life. And from here on, like the new relationships that I make, I'm honest. And, and so most of the time, like if I say, you know, that kind of hurts my feelings, um, like the person will apologize, but then they'll never talk to me again. Cause they're like, Oh, well she's really sensitive yeah. and I don't like having to watch what I say yeah, around that's her. Lame. Right. Like, I don't like that when I make really terrible jokes about, like, you know, vulnerable people and, like, that bothers her and she calls me. I don't like that. So I'm just not going to hang out with her ever again. And that's great because that's the thing. The boundary works. Right. Because they're actually, like, eliminating themselves. Mm -hmm. They're like, I don't really like that about Mm -hmm. her. So I'm not going to talk to her anymore. And that works wonderfully for me because I'm not surrounded by assholes. Right. (laughs) And the people that are in my life, like, you know, when they say something and I'm like, you know, that kind of hurts. And they're like, oh, I, di- I didn't think about it that way. You know, I'm really sorry about that or what. And it's just like, okay. And then we move on. And now right. we're stronger and closer. Like it brings me closer to that person. And I feel like I can trust them, you know, yeah. like I don't expect people not to say like stupid things sometimes. Like I say stuff sometimes and I'm like, oh, wow, that didn't come out good, <laughs> you know? And so I'm not like, I'm not saying that people can't be themselves or whatever, but I do hold people accountable for what they're saying. And it's, I think that if we all did that, these narcissists wouldn't be in like breeding mode and like full capacity right now because people would be holding everyone accountable to what they're saying in their actions. And like, they wouldn't make it very far, you know, they couldn't continue to manipulate people because people would call them out immediately and be like, well, that's manipulative. Why are you doing that to that girl? Or, you know. I think most people don't even know what manipulation looks like, to be honest. I mean, right. many people do. And I think more and more people are learning. But I think at the end of the day, um, what we're dealing with is that a lot of people who, um, I mean, that's who narcissists go toward are people who don't know, right? Mm-hmm. They're people who allow it. So, and I don't mean that in a like, in some sort of terrible way. Like I allowed it because I didn't know better. I mean, how do you not? We were young. We were young. Well, (laughs) even if we weren't young, you know, um, it happens still where I'm like, Oh crap. I think that person. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good to know. Um, but it, it comes just from, you know, you, you learn when you learn how you learn (laughs) Yeah. and there's nothing wrong with having attracted or been with a narcissist at some point. Right. It's just a matter of, you know, when I hear people say, I, my, my picker is wrong. I keep choosing narcissists. 
Um, the answer, the antidote to that is boundaries. Right. Okay. Then I need to work with this person on understanding boundaries and what they are and what, what they're allowed to say. Lots of people don't believe they're allowed to say no, you know? Oh, I know. It's, it's hard. And I, I do, I have a lot of like people around me that do the people pleasing thing Mm -hmm. and they're like, I'm so tired and burnout. And I'm like, you know, you don't actually have to go to that birthday party. Like (laughs) you can literally just tell that person, like, I'm really tired. Yeah. I love you. I don't have the energy to go to the birthday party. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like for me, that's so like, cause I've done this work, I guess mm-hmm. it's so natural. And I'm like, I'm just really honest. I'm like, I am burnt out mm-hmm. and I'm not going to the party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you. You know, maybe if it was like something big, like a funeral or something, it would be different. I might push past the exhaustion, but for like little things here and there, I just think self-care is important and it's not selfish and that they're still going to have a great time at their party without me. You know, I can still send a gift or tell them happy birthday. I don't have to strain myself. Well, it doesn't mean that you don't love them. See, that's the thing. Like it's, it's, we've constructed this whole world about, well, I'm having a party. If she doesn't come, then she must not like me or I must not be important enough Mm -hmm. or something it's entirely made up that's just made up right (laughs) right and you know a narcissist would would say no you push you push through and you do it anyway what's wrong with you I thought you loved me you know right you're so selfish you're so selfish (laughs) god right (laughs) it's it's the whole thing (laughs) yes so um Do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners who may be in a toxic relationship or healing from one? Like a takeaway. If you haven't found anybody who understands, just keep looking. Mm. You need to find somebody that can understand. And it doesn't matter what shape or form you find them in. Sometimes um, they can be somebody just random, you know, Mm. doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist. Um, but try to find a group or um, a place online that understands what this is. If you suspect that you're with a narcissist or that narcissism is sort of at the root of what is happening in your life, um, there is help and there are people who understand. But it's yeah. essential that you find somebody who does. Right. The community aspect is so big. Like I, There's like very specific groups on Facebook Um, I'm in one called Daughters of Mothers with Borderline Personality Disorder. It is very specific. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's geared towards daughters and being raised by this person Mm -hmm. in the mother-daughter aspect. Mm -hmm. And it is, I mean, sometimes I unfollow it because I don't want to, like, be there all the time. Mm -hmm. But, like, if I do have this thing come up, like, where you're saying, like, your client is like, is this a thing? (laughs) You know? And, like, sometimes I'll have a feeling come up and I'm like, oh, and I'll go in that group, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'll I'll type that word in the search bar and see, you know, the ten other stories of someone saying, well, you know, my mother acted this way anytime this topic would come up or she, you know, did this or that. And I don't even have to really post in the group because it's like perfectly organized. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, I feel, I feel normal now. Like that, that's a reoccurring thing. This is a borderline thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is a normal response and then I can move on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, finding maybe a person that, you know, has went through this relationship Mm -hmm. already. Like, cause, and I think, 
I kind of attract people now who are in healing mode mm-hmm. from it because I have been a little vocal about mm-hmm. narcissism in general. So like, I'm like a safe person, mm-hmm. you know, but I, d- I mean, I care for these people, you know, and I know that it's hard and it's really bad when you're isolated. It's right. That's and what they want. They, they push your family away, your friends mm-hmm. away. So when you leave this relationship, you have nothing and no one and you feel alone. That's why you want to keep going back. Cause you're like, well, yeah. this person's like my family, you know, when I was getting ready to leave and I was preparing to leave, he began to catch on mm-hmm. and he contacted my mother and my therapist and let them know that I was unsafe and that he was very worried about me. Mm-hmm. And had I not prepped both of them anyway, you know, before that, um, they probably would have believed him. Right. But like, that's the level that they'll go to, to keep you, to keep their, their supply, right. you know, there and to control the story. Yes. Um, like they're 10 steps ahead. So yeah. when you deal with one, you have to start thinking that way too, in a way you have yeah. to think 10 steps ahead. I tell people to keep that, the abuse cycle in their mind all the time. That was, that was one of the things that was a saving grace for me because I'd be like, okay, well he spent the day devaluing me. So what comes next is a big explosion. So I need to make sure that I'm prepared for a big explosion to happen in the next couple of days. But then after that, I'll be able to sleep. Right. You know, I'll have rest because he won't talk to me for a week. <laughs> right. You know, it's just so predictable mm-hmm. once you figure it out. It's, mm-hmm. it really is like the flags are obvious mm-hmm. once you just allow the space to process what am I actually feeling? What is the definition of this? And, and sometimes, you know, I'll send someone like a YouTube video, like there's a therapist and she just focuses on narcissism. And like, I don't try to say anything. I just send the video to this woman's link and people will watch whichever one. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, and it's just the education alone. Yeah. It's so important. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, you're going to be a very easy target. Yes. And they will just pick you out. Like yes. I know a girl that she was, I think the guy was a psychopath because he was, he was violent and stuff too. Some of the things that he did. So I think, you know, that most psychopaths are narcissists. So it like oh, kind of sure. blends, mm-hmm. but she said that she was singing in the choir and that this guy was looked at her and picked her out of a group. And like, he picked her. He was like, that's the one, that's the one I'm going to go after. And it really is like a target. They have a goal. Mm-hmm. They have a plot. You know, the guy I dated, he had a book literally on, like, how to manipulate people. Like, I found it, like, on his bookshelf. And I was like, this is intense. And he's like, I just really like psychology. You know? (laughs) I'm like. So he studied. He studied how to, you know, and this person was also into, like, marketing and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, suggesting Mm -hmm. things, colors, making you feel a certain way. I mean, it was, like, professional. Like, this manipulation tactics were professional. Wow. And I was not ready at 18 years old to to deal with that. Especially yeah. after having the parent. Right. You know, who just, like, primed me. Yeah. For this, you know. So, yeah, it was a whole thing. And, and if you have a parent who is a narcissist, there is a 100% chance that you will run into them in the future right. to other narcissists. Because we gravitate, whether we want to or not, we gravitate toward that which we know and understand. Right. And so... It's imperative that if you have a parent who is a narcissist, that you begin to know and understand what narcissism is so that you don't walk straight into a relationship because otherwise you will. Right. Because I didn't actually know what it felt like to be loved. Right. I didn't know. Yeah. I thought love was, you know, these manic episodes, Bob, you know, like 
giving you a gift and then like stomping on your foot at the same time, you know, and you're just like, so I had this weird perception of it and I I didn't actually know what it felt like and I'd never seen an example of it, you know, because it's kind of like all the things, it was like almost like this generational curse, like Mm -hmm. everybody was traumatized and everybody was reacting this way and everybody raised their kids this way in my, you know, and yeah. And so it was a, a generational curse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I actually fully severed ties. You know, I did the gray rock. I did, I, you know, I tried to protect, but there was, there's certain, there's certain times where you just have to move on because they're just keeping you in this state. And it, it, yeah. it wasn't healthy for me. And well, I'm like, I'm like literally blooming now, right? you know, and I'm like, this person was just, con- you know, and that's the work field thing. Cause I kept them around. So they were, they were still planting these seeds right. all the time. It never stopped. Well, and know? understand that no matter how much gray rocking, no matter how much protection psychically that you're putting up, you're putting in your own energy to put that there. It takes a lot of energy. Yes. It's exhausting to be like, oh, I don't care. Nothing. You know, to, to not answer the way that you normally would. You have to t- completely damp your, damp down your tamp down your personality and who right. you are. And so if you're gray rocking, it takes a lot of energy to do that. And ultimately, that's why I, my personal belief is if these things come up, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. I'm gone. I can't I do it anymore. I am unwilling to give any amount of energy to it because it feels so rotten. But I do understand, too, that, you know, Sometimes if you're, especially if you're in a job or right. some situation that sometimes you just have to figure out what to do until you can go somewhere else. But do understand that, like you're saying, families, whole family systems um, are caught up in it for the reasons that you're talking about. And it's the same with work cultures. You'll walk into some places and the entire place is full of them. And it's because it's the culture. It's right. the culture of the place. And you need to get out if that's, right. you know, if that's a place you walk in. Oh, yeah, totally. So, all right. So we're kind of wrapping up the episode. Um, what's the best way to contact you for a healing session? Um, colorofkismet.com is my website. And through that, you can see my products. You can uh, learn about the things I'm teaching, about the podcasts I've been on lately, about my Patreon page, and you can book something if you want to see me. So all of the things are through colorofkismet.com or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Beautiful. The Color of Kismet. Yes. Well, thank you so much for doing this episode. Thank you, Astral. I'm so glad that people want to know about this more. And, um, you know, I really do think that um, that as we as a collective raise our vibration, that um, we will see more clearly like it just because the polarization becomes so clear. And um, I'm just very excited that so many people are learning about it. Right. It's It's a buzzword because we are waking up. (laughs) it's a good thing all right well thank you so much thank you and thank you all for tuning in check us out next time on the astral hour